0: Hey guys, and welcome back to History Written by the Losers, Season 2. I'm Annika
1: And I'm Sudha.
0: And this week, we're going to be talking about the true history of the land that we live on.
1: The true history of the Native Americans.
0: So a lot of us have formed impressions of Native Americans that they live on reservations and get government funds and run casinos, and that they rarely face inequality, if ever. But that is false. And to understand why we have these misconceptions and why they face discrimination, we have to understand the centuries of history and inequity that have led to their situations today. In school, we really only learn about Native Americans if we're talking about how they directly impacted wars or events that impacted colonizers.
1: So let's start there. Before the European explorers arrived, there were about 10 million Native Americans living in what is now the United States. By the time it was 1900, there were less than 300,000. And a lot of the story of present-day Native American life has to do with how that population depleted during that time. So how did we get there?
0: So obviously, when you're living on your land and you see these new explorers coming, you don't really know what to feel, you don't really know what's going on. During the colonial period, Native Americans resisted the efforts of Europeans to gain more of their land and control because they had been living on it for centuries and they didn't know why these new people were suddenly trying to take it from them. But a lot of problems arose when the Europeans came because with them they brought new diseases, the slave trade, and their ever-growing population. So obviously a lot of us have learned about how diseases have wiped out a lot of the native american population and that is true but a lot of the population was also wiped out by europeans as they were trying to encroach on the native lands
1: right and so another common thing in that age was that they were proclamations to actually hunt down native americans The most famous one was the 1775 phipps proclamation in massachusetts where king george ii of britain called for all the subjects to embrace all opportunities of pursuing capturing killing and destroying all and every of the aforesaid indians so there was actually a price set on the indian population and the colonists were paid money when they captured or killed the Native Americans. So when we talk about why the term Redskins is offensive, it is offensive because this was what the scalps of Native Americans were called in those times, and it conjures up an era that is a shameful part of our history.
0: So by the time the American Revolution ended, many Native American lives had already been lost because of disease, displacement, and attacks on their population. So let's fast forward to the 1800s, when a lot of Americans started realizing that there was more land out there that they could keep conquering.
1: In the backcountry of the coastal south and moving towards what would later become Alabama and Mississippi, there was land to be had and the colonizers from the northeast part of the country started making this push or inroads into that area.
0: Yeah, and so a lot of us learn about the whole westward expansion era during American history, but many of us don't learn that there were so many Indian tribes living where many colonizers wanted to put down their roots. So, these tribes actually proved to be one of the biggest obstacles when settlers wanted to start conquering new land. In 1814, Andrew Jackson, who was at the time a major general, beat the Creek Indians in the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. And from there, he forced the Indians into a treaty where they surrendered over 20 million acres of their traditional land.
1: And over time, over the next decades, multiple such transgressions led to Indians giving up more and more of their land. Most of them thought that appeasement would be a good strategy. In other words, they hoped that if they gave up a good deal of their land, maybe they could at least keep a small part of it. But neither this strategy nor the other strategy of resistance ever worked in their favor. In 1830, on May
0: 28th, now President Andrew Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act, and it was unprecedented where it gave the president power to make treaties with every tribe east of the Mississippi, forcing them to surrender their lands in exchange for territory in the West.
1: Now, when you read back on some of the speeches during the proceedings of Congress in 1833, we cannot imagine that these words were ever spoken in our Congress. Jackson denounced Indians, saying... They have neither the intelligence, the industry, the moral habits, nor the desire of improvement, which is essential to any favorable change in their condition. Established in the midst of another and a superior race, they must necessarily yield to the force of circumstances and before long disappear. So this was
0: in the 1830s, before the Civil War, but the same ideology that was used against Black Americans was also used against Native Americans.
1: That's right. Now, the law of the land required the government to negotiate about these treaties fairly, voluntarily and peacefully. They were not supposed to exert any force or coerce the native nations to give up their land. However, frequently, President Jackson and his government ignored the letter of the law and they forced Native Americans to vacate lands that they had lived on for generations.
0: In the winter of 1831, the Choctaw became the first nation to be expelled from their land altogether, and they started making the journey to Indian Territory on foot. Some of them were, quote, bound in chains and marched double file, as one historian writes, and they had no food, no supplies, and no help from the government. Thousands of people died along the way, and as one Choctaw leader told an Alabama newspaper, it was a trail of tears and death coining the phrase for the nations to follow.
1: So the Trail of Tears continued uh, relentlessly. By 1836, the federal government had drove the Creeks from their land for the last time. 3,500 of 15,000 Creeks who set out for Oklahoma did not survive the trip.
0: The Cherokee people were divided between staying and fighting, or agreeing to leave for money. In 1835, the Cherokee Nation negotiated the Treaty of New Echota, which traded all Cherokee land east of the Mississippi for $5 million. Even though this was a done deal, many Cherokee felt betrayed, because the negotiators didn't really represent their own government.
1: Nearly 16,000 Cherokees signed a petition started by John Ross, who was the nation's principal chief, saying that they are not parties to its covenants and they had not received the sanction of the people for the treaty. Nevertheless, Congress approved the treaty.
0: But by 1838, only 2,000 Cherokees had left their Georgia homeland. So President Martin Van Buren sent General Scott and 7,000 soldiers to expedite the removal process. And they showed no mercy. Scott and his troops forced the Cherokee into stockades at Bayonet Point while whites looted their homes and belongings. Whooping cough, typhus, dysentery, cholera, and starvation were very common along the way, and historians estimate that more than 5,000 Cherokee died as a result of the journey. So the new land that the Native Americans were being offered was supposed to be their land forever. The federal government would never take it. But as white settlements slowly started expanding more and more, the Indian country slowly began to shrink. In
1: 1907, when Oklahoma became a state, Indian territory was gone for good.
0: Now the Trail of Tears is over 5,043 miles long and covers nine states, and is open for visitors to see and learn about the history. But many of us still don't know these depressing facts. Reading quotes written by the Native Americans who were forced to leave their homes that their ancestors and loved ones had lived on forever is heartbreaking. Charles Hicks, the Cherokee vice chief on the Trail of Tears, said, It is with sorrow we are forced by the white man to quit the scenes of our childhood. We bid farewell to it, and all we hold dear. August 4, 1838.
1: Sally. A Cherokee medicine man who was awaiting execution in 1838 is known to have said this, I have a little boy. If he is not dead, tell him the last words of his father were that he must never go beyond the father of waters, but die in the land of his birth. It is sweet to die in one's native land and be buried by the margins of one's native stream.
0: And old Tassel, the chief of the Cherokee, said, Many proposals have been made to us to adopt your laws, your religion, your manners, and your customs. We would be better pleased with beholding the good effects of these doctrines in your own practices than with hearing you talk about them. So by the 1900s, Native Americans were living on reservations, but they were still facing discrimination. At the turn of the century, the Supreme Court ruled that the U.S. federal government has the right to overturn all Cherokee laws in the decision Cherokee Nation versus Hitchcock. This was major because it showed that they had no value for the Cherokee society that they had built. In
1: 1928, the Brookings Institute released the Merriam Report which was one of the first in-depth analysis of living conditions on reservations. This report highlighted healthcare, education, and land rights for Native Americans, and this was a step forward for protecting a minority who was still without voting rights.
0: However, in 1949, the U.S. government took a huge step backwards towards 19th century bigotry. The Hoover Commission published their reports, and one year later, using the same post-war idea that prevented little Tokyos in the U.S., the Commissioner of Indian Affairs began to implement withdrawal planning, or the termination and relocation of thousands of Natives to cities. This was yet another attempt to remove Native Americans from their reservations and allow the government to exploit their land. In 1953, they began focusing more on termination. This policy eliminated a lot of government support for Indian tribes and ended the protected trust status of all Indian-owned lands. Because of this, many Native Americans were justly upset. And in 1968, the American Indian Movement was founded. Slowly, Native Americans began to gain new recognition in Washington DC and California. Now there are over 1 million Native Americans living on reservations, but they are still continuing that fight.
1: The story of Native Americans is not limited to the mainland. Native Hawaiians and Alaskans are also facing a lot of issues which do not get a lot of prominence in our current perspectives. When the United States military invaded Hawaii in 1893 and overthrew the constitutional monarchy, Hawaii's fate was sealed as an outpost of the American empire, became a U.S. territory in 1900.
0: But it was still only used as a white planter outpost.
1: One of the biggest tragedies of the occupation of Hawaii was the loss of native languages. The language, the Hawaiian language was banned in 1896. This resulted in several generations of Hawaiians whose only language remained English. Their lands and their waters were taken for military bases, resorts, urbanization, and plantation agriculture, and they lost their way of life, their industry, and their language.
0: Throughout the Second World War, Hawaii was under martial law for seven years. We know that the United States government used that as a way to intern Japanese-Americans, but they also used martial law to confiscate hundreds and thousands of acres of land and impose an atmosphere of military intimidation. Later, in 1970, rural Hawaii began to be besieged by rapid development.
1: Rural Hawaiians were living on month-to-month leases on lands which were controlled by one of the largest private trusts in Hawaii, the Bishop Estate. They were suddenly given one month's notice to leave their homes and farms of more than 20 years. This is the Kalama Valley eviction on Oahu Highland in 1970. So... The residents uh, organized themselves but they failed to stop their eviction and the transformation of their pig and vegetable farms into upper income developments and resorts continued. In
0: 1976, Hawaiians were landing on Kaho'olawe Island, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, to protest its use as a military bombing range since the Second World War. It was home to many ancient native sites and after the deaths of two activists at these protests. The bombing was finally halted in 1990. This was a clear victory for the natives, but the military still has major ground in Hawaii. In the 1980s, a lot of native Hawaiians began organizing even more. Many mass demonstrations and legal actions started supporting the native Hawaiians'
1: interests. But the unique situation in Hawaii was that there was uh, a lot of people who owned land in Hawaii, but did not have money. And they partnered with out-of-state corporations who gave them the money to build these large resorts. And so the uh, landscape was taken over with the advent of tourism and these large resorts.
0: And tourism has been one of the biggest things that has torn apart native Hawaiian culture. Corporate tourism has meant a lot of appropriation of Hawaiian traditions, including the hula, which was an ancient form of dance, but has now been made ornamental for tourists to come try. Moreover, dance, music, language, and their people have all been commodified along with their culture, and now many of them live in a state where they're forced to witness the constant appropriation of their culture.
1: From all of this outpouring of political and cultural activity and the sense of humiliation that many Native Hawaiians felt, there was an Initiative for Sovereignty which came out, which was founded in 1987 with the Constitutional Convention and it's the Ka Lahui and its goal remains one of inclusion in the federal American policy on recognized Native Nations.
0: So many Hawaiians are continuing the fight for their culture, for their land, and for their traditions before they are completely erased.
1: The story of Alaska also has disturbing echoes of the story in Hawaii. The first European explorers to land in Alaska were from Russia, and the territory was occupied by the Russian Empire from 1741 until 1867 when it was sold to the United States.
0: Yeah, a lot of us do learn about the sewer deal in school, but we don't really learn about what effects that has had on native populations in Alaska. In 1968, oil was discovered in Alaska, and in 1971, the US Congress passed the ANCSA Act. It extinguished indigenous titles and created for-profit corporations in every region in Alaska. Because of this act and many others, the treatment of Alaskan indigenous peoples began to look very similar to the treatment of many Native Americans in the past, where they became dependent on the government or were riddled by poverty, educational failure, health problems, high suicide rates, alcoholism, and violence. Few reservation lands still exist in Alaska.
1: Even today, there are recurring environmental issues and a lot of activism surrounding oil exploration that threatens native livelihoods and laying down of pipelines through sacred land of the native people.
0: Since Alaska became a part of the U.S., oil spills have become regular in the Arctic Sea and disrupt both indigenous people and their wildlife. This has made the Arctic Circle a sink for greenhouse gases. But since Bill Walker took office as governor of Alaska in 2014, he has started to undertake a number of progressive measures around indigenous people's rights. So hopefully, we are moving in the right direction. Native American people still face a lot of discrimination socially, economically, culturally,
1: and on many other fronts. So let's talk some statistics now. According to the U.S. Census Bureau data, 27% of all Native Americans live in poverty. The unemployment
0: rate is 69% as of 2014. And the CU reservations in North and South Dakota constituted three of the five poorest counties in the U.S.
1: Violence against women and children is rampant in these communities. 46% of all Native American women have experienced some sort of physical abuse.
0: Along with this, many of them face less educational opportunities. The Native American dropout rate is twice the nation's average, and more than any other U.S. racial or ethnic group. A lot of this has to do with insufficient funding for schools.
1: There's problems with poor quality housing, over 90,000 are underhoused or homeless, and over a third of American Indians live in very largely concentrated reservations with over 700,000 inhabitants with lots of crowding.
0: Many of them also have inadequate healthcare. The IHS, or Indian Health Service, is underfunded and many local facilities lack basic amenities to provide quality care.
1: American Indians and Alaska Natives are dying at a higher rate than other Americans and their life expectancy is about five and a half years less than others. Coronavirus has also affected these communities disproportionately.
0: Many native groups are also unable to exercise their voting rights, either because they don't have any polling units near them or because they don't use traditional street addresses and aren't even eligible to apply to register to vote. We mentioned in Hawaii that their native language was outlawed, but now native languages in the continental U.S. are also slowly becoming extinct. Only 175 out of more than 300 native languages remain today.
1: W. Richard West Jr., the founding director of the National Museum of the American Indians said, Language is central to cultural identity. It is the code containing the subtleties and secrets of cultural life. A whole generation of people are losing this code.
0: There are also very limited financial institutions in native communities. A lot of their land is held by the government in trust, which makes it difficult for natives to leverage the land in the collection of loans that they use to set up businesses. Along with this, disputes concerning water rights and other issues have led to up to 40% of the Navajo Nation households not having clean, running water. Finally, as we touched on, many natural resources have been exploited in Native American reservations.
1: So, as you can see, many of these reservations and the people living on it, when you know, either we don't talk about them, we do not air the problems that they have very prominently, and we don't certainly teach about these issues in our schools. So, they are rapidly becoming forgotten people. There is also a feeling that Somehow they are responsible for everything that is happening to them. And when we quote the statistics, there is a certain line of thought which says, oh, well, this happened to them because of their own poor choices. Whereas I hope through this episode, we've seen that the history of what happened to generations and generations of Native Americans does impact current day life and should not be disregarded.
0: So in our search for progress and change, it is important both in politics and in our daily lives to remember and to represent the needs of the people who have lived in America before it was even founded. Thank you guys so much for listening to History Written by the Losers and our first episode of Season 2. So from now on, we will be releasing monthly episodes. If you guys enjoyed, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and leave us a comment. This
1: has been History, written by The Losers.